Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Four passages of scripture in the Old Testament. They're not very long. And then we're going to look at uh, one passage in the New Testament. Uh, the first few passages we're going to look at are little, little bits of God's covenant promise to Abraham. And it's important for us to understand that when we read God's covenant promises to Abraham, we, we learn in the New Testament that these promises are fulfilled in Christ, and in Christ we have access to these covenant promises. That if we are in Christ, he is the ultimate seed of Abraham, and us as his body, our connection to him in Christ, we are recipients of God's covenant promises to Abraham. So let's look at, uh, we'll put them on the screen for you up here, Genesis chapter 12. Two verses, verses one and two. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Interesting there. Before you can be a blessing, he's got to make your name great. Genesis chapter 17, two verses, five and six. Again, God's covenant promise to Abraham. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. We'll go forward a few chapters. Genesis 22. We'll look at three verses here, beginning in verse 15. Four verses, actually. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I've sworn, declares the Lord, because you've done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that's on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you've obeyed my voice. Now we're going we're gonna to skip ahead a little bit to um, a passage in Isaiah chapter 3, which is a prophetic picture of what a nation that is under the judgment of God looks like. All right, so Isaiah 3, verse, this is verse 6. For a man will take hold of his brother in the house of his father, saying, you have a cloak, you shall be our leader, and this heap of ruins shall be under your rule. In that day, he will speak out saying, I'll not be a healer. In my house, there is neither bread nor cloak. You shall not make me leader of the people. For Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen because their speech and their deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. Now, one more passage we'll look at. This is uh, Matthew chapter nine. We're all familiar with this passage, I'm sure. When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field, into his harvest. 
title of my message today is essentially the question that Jesus was asking in this famous reference to uh, there being a whole lot of sheep, but not very many shepherds. Where are the leaders? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. You've been speaking to us. Father, I ask that you would convict our hearts today. If there has been any part of us that has shrunk back from your calling upon our lives to become the people of influence that you've called us to be. Father, you've spoken many great promises over our lives in the future of this church, and they are dependent upon all of us, recognizing that you want to use us to influence other people. You've called this, Lord, to make disciples. You've called us to preach the gospel to the lost. You've called some of us to equip. Father, would you consume us with such a deep burden and passion? May we see, Jesus, what you saw. The people who are desperately in need. Father, forgive us, Lord, for where we've... We have the words of life. How could we not recognize we have something to give them? So, Lord, I pray that you'd speak into our hearts. I pray that you would elevate your view of us. Let us see, Lord, how great and powerful you are. I ask that, God, we would limit you less on the other side of this message and that we would limit ourselves less. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was saved as a uni student back in 1995, the mid-90s, uh, believe it or not. And uh, I was saved out of this really bad habit of smoking weed every day. So you can imagine that I was an extremely lazy person, all right? My God was... I don't even know if my God was weed. My God was, was escape from responsibility. My God was, I just want comfort. I just, I, I don't know how to deal with the insecurities in my soul and the feelings of unrest and guilt. And so I'm just gonna escape. That was my, uh, that, that was just how I function. I just wanted to be numb. Let me just self-medicate and numb myself. And then Jesus came into my life and, and radically changed my life. And what I began to see that really the root of my problem was I was deeply selfish. And God began to turn my eyes off of myself and help me to start to put my uh, eyes on other people. And in my flesh, I didn't want to take responsibility for anyone but myself. I, want, I was happy to come to church. Uh, you know, like the first time I came to, to this church I connected with, I show up and all these young people are coming up and getting the mic and prophesying and, and the presence of God was powerful. And I was like, this is great. I'm really loving this, but don't ask me to, don't put a mic in my hand. Don't ask me to do that. I'm not, I, I'm, I'll sit in the back. I'll even write a tithe check every week. Happy to do that. Just, just, I, I just want, just want to live my own life and I don't want to take responsibility for anyone else but myself. The, the thought of carrying any responsibility and any thought of leadership really stressed me out. Uh, I was quite content to just try to fix my own issues and problems. But the problem was, is I was, 
receiving these prophetic words about influencing other people and how God wanted to use me and, uh, and there, this call on my life. Part of loving and following Jesus is going on this journey where we stop just focusing on and thinking about ourselves and our own problems, and he begins to put our eyes upon other people and, and gives us this burden and concern to start to care about them. Not long after being saved, I, I, you know, I just felt this compelled to, to respond to what God was saying, even though I felt very afraid. I, I remember being asked to lead this small group on the university campus. I'd only been a Christian for six months. And I'm like, you want me to lead that group? Don't you realize that I'm barely like reading my Bible every day? And thank God for leaders that were willing to empower me. So I was basically leading a life group on the university campus. And, you know, it, it was this gradual process of getting my eyes off of myself and thinking about other people. I would, I would challenge us to consider the likelihood that if we're shrinking back from leadership, it's probably related to fear and uh, selfishness to some degree and a lack of confidence. But God began bringing uh, people into my life and one man in particular who had a very, he, he, had, he, he was very diligent and intentional about making disciples and training leaders. And he led this leadership training program that, that I did. In fact, I met my wife through this program. She came over from England, did the same program a year later. But God radically changed my life and, and set me on the course of my destiny in the course th through that year, all through the discipleship and leadership development of this man that God put into my life. And I wonder what it was that really provoked him and, and motivated him. Why did he care so much about pouring his life into other people? And I believe it was he caught what Jesus caught. He caught something from Jesus. He, he had this view and perspective, this, this, this sense of passion and burden and longing to see the kingdom of God grow and recognizing, man, if we're going to do this, somebody's going to have to take some responsibility. Somebody's going to have to disciple people. Somebody's going to have to be the leader. The Greek word that Jesus uses in that passage uh, for laborers or workers uh, depending on the translation, is the same Greek word that Paul uses when he's speaking several times to Timothy. Listen to this. You'll, you'll recognize these ver verses. Paul says to Timothy, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Who is Paul talking to? He's talking to Timothy, who's a leader. Second uh, Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who is not, who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. When Paul used this word that Jesus used, worker or laborer, he was speaking about someone who was taking responsibility for the, not just their own spiritual growth, but for the spiritual growth and development of another person. So when Jesus spoke about this shortage of laborers to bring in the harvest, he wasn't just talking about needing more evangelists to go preach the gospel to the lost. He's talking about a whole lot of sheep and where are all the shepherds? 
Where are all the leaders? Where are the people who are so passionate about the kingdom, who have such a, a longing to see other people's lives change, that the most important thing in their life is making disciples, equipping God's people, pouring their life into someone else? And so I want to be, I want to maybe try to help us shift our perspective a little bit on this word leader. We often think about it being just a position or a title, but I don't think that that's just what Jesus was talking about. Someone who just has a position or title. Obviously, God does delegate authority and power to people to lead on his behalf, but the essence of leadership is not a position. It's not a title. It is really the, and in the context of what Jesus was talking about, it's the power to influence another person for their good and for the good of the kingdom. That's really all we're talking about. A leader, an influencer, someone that can help someone else out in their life that in a way that brings them closer to Jesus and in a way that in a bigger sense advances the kingdom of God. It's a heart, it's a desire, it's a, it's a passion to actually say, you know what, if this is going to happen, it's up to me. If the kingdom of God is going to grow, I'm going to have to take responsibility, not just for my own life, but for the lives of other people. And so leadership at its core is a move away from a life of selfishness, where all we think about is ourselves, and a life that moves more towards uh, helping other people to get closer to Jesus a life of selflessness. Jesus said um, several times, he says these things and, and you, you hear him say that and it's like, man, I didn't actually realize that following Jesus meant this. But he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Follow me and I will make you a person of influence in the lives of other people. Can I challenge you with this thought that you don't get to follow Jesus and not be on a journey of learning how to influence other people? That's not allowed. I'm sorry for what you think you might have responded to, the altar call. Yeah, I, I know it was probably come to Jesus and you get to go to heaven, you know? Like, but there's actually a little bit more than that. He wants us to lay down our lives. And, in, and, and you know, one of, my, my, one of the most challenging passages of Scripture for me Jesus says this, he says, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life, listen to this, for my sake and for the gospels, then you'll save it. And so Jesus is saying, no, 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 you don't, you don't just come and lay your life down for me. When you come to me and you lay your life down for me, you're laying your life down for the gospel. You're laying your life down for my purpose, for, for this great kingdom vision of seeing the whole earth filled with the glory of God for all the kings of the earth to bow down and worship before him for every knee to bow every tongue to confess for for the nations every tribe tongue people and nation to to have a a representation an apostolic church planting church among every people group in the world okay this is the this is what he says we are to all lay our lives down for. How does he do this? He makes us see what he sees. 
caring about what he cares about. Before I ever began to lead anyone or ever had a position or a title, I began to have a sense of responsibility. God is calling me to do something. And the thing that he's calling me to do is completely wrapped up with influencing another person. Having, having spending time with another person, maybe it's just one-on-one -on -one across from a table having a coffee together. But a life poured out for other people. Concerned not just about my own spiritual growth, but that of other people. And so what I want to do is I, I want to give us quickly just three thoughts to challenge us from this, this great Abrahamic covenant promise that helps us to see what the promises of God are for our life. Because if you're like me, I was, when I first came to Christ and in this sense of the call of God and a call to lead, part of me, like I said, I didn't want that. It feels stressful. It feels like I'm just doing my best to get my own self sorted. But the first thing we see in these passages we looked at, Abrahamic covenant promise, the closer we get to Jesus, the more our influence grows. It's, it, it, it's unstoppable. It, it just happens naturally. This covenant promise that God made Abraham, he said, I will make your name great. It's important for us to understand if our desire is to please God, if our desire is to walk in his promises, we cannot escape a life of growing in greater and greater influence. The flesh may not want it, but the Spirit of God does. How else is he going to change the world? How else, else is the kingdom of God going to grow? And so when God said, I'm going to make your name great, what he, what he was saying, I am going to make you a person of significant influence. And we're all on a journey, a progression of some place of little influence to great influence. But it's important to understand that our covenant promise, our covenant right, we've inherited Abrahamic covenant blessing. He wants to make your name great. In other words, he wants to give you. Now, this isn't about bringing you glory. This is about you being a person of influence, impacting other people's lives for their good and for the good of the kingdom. If you're asking God to bless you, you're asking him to make you a person of influence. You can't get the blessing of God without going on a journey of also becoming a person of influence because that is the actual blessing of God. That is a manifestation of his blessing in your life is he begins to use you to influence other people for good. We often see this just begins to happen naturally in our lives. Right after I got saved, I felt like God was saying, I want you to go into your fraternity house. You ever heard of fraternities? I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and I went to the University of Memphis, and I was in a fraternity. And as I've said to some of you before, I even got the tattoo on my ankle right there, the fraternity tattoo. I don't know what I was thinking, but they said, it's for life, man, that, you know, this fraternity, it's a lifelong brotherhood. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to get a tattooed on my ankle. And, man, turns out it wasn't really for life. But anyway, 
Um, but I got saved. I got right with God. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to go in to the fraternity house. And I would go in there sometimes and, you know, there's like somebody still passed out from the night before on the couch and it's like after lunchtime. And, but I'd come in there and I let everybody know in the fraternity, we're going to have a Bible study in the fraternity house in the chapter room there where all the demonic rituals happen, you know, we're going to have a, we're going to have a Bible study right there. And, uh, if you want to come, then come, I'm going to lead us in a Bible study. Now I didn't have a clue what I was doing. All right. All I, all I did is I printed out six Bible verses. I just, just Bible roulette, man. Let's just, (laughs) I'm going to print out some Bible verses and we're going to read through them and we're just going to talk about them. But man, the Holy Spirit showed up every time we'd meet and something began to happen. Now, there was something that began to happen where people were like, what the heck has happened to Jason? He's turned into a religious nut. But then there were other people that started getting right with God and more and more people. It's like there was just this little group of people in the fraternity started to go to church and and even the guy that ended up that had led me to the Lord was one of my fraternity brothers. And he was talking about how much more excited about serving Jesus he was getting through these Bible studies, you know? And so here I am, I don't have a clue. I'm barely doing my own devotional time in the morning. I'm just showing up and God is using me to influence other people. Most of the time to influence someone else, all we got to do is show up. That's it. All you got to do is just get out of the comfort zone and just show up. Just pick up the phone. Hey, you want to meet? You want to catch up? Hey, let's let's catch up and get in the word together. Let's do a Bible study. Hey, is anybody discipling you? No, what's that? Okay, well, hey, let's catch up and I'll, I'll tell you what that is and I'll help you. I'll help you to grow in your faith. One of the great marks of revival, we prayed about this in our pre-service, in our prayer power gathering. David prayed this in Psalm uh, 110. He said, he prayed this, he said, your people will offer themselves freely. They will volunteer freely, in another translation, in the day of your power. One of the greatest marks of revival, an outpouring of God's spirit. If God is really moving amongst us here, then, he, then there is a sense where we want to volunteer for his service. We want to be used by him. We want to become people of influence. We want to help other people grow in their faith. And this is in contrast to the curse, which we saw in that Isaiah passage, which was what? I ain't taking responsibility. I'm not going to be the leader around here. Can you begin to see how the blessing of God is this this sense of longing and passion to fulfill the purpose of God and saying, well, if nobody else is going to do it, I'm feeling a little bit afraid, feel a little intimidated. I'm not really too sure of myself. I'm still working out my own identity issues, but all right, I'll have a go. If it's going to be, it's up to me, man. I, the, the, it, it's like the, the U.S. President Harry Truman once said, the buck stops with me. If it's going to happen, it's up to me. Sometimes leadership is just being the one that says, I'm going to care enough to just do something. I'm going to just, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. I'm going to, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to, I'm going to just show up. The blessing of God is we're 
growing in greater levels of influence, the curse is, I ain't leading this. I ain't taking responsibility. Can we just hear that from the Holy Spirit? If we are running in any way from responsibility, from influence, regardless if it's fear, if it's identity that needs to be shaped, whatever it is, can we just hear him say, it's not okay to run. It's not God's heart for us. He's calling us to influence. Second thing we see in this passage or in these, these promises, God is looking for people that he can trust with his power and his authority. God promised Abraham, he said, kings shall come from you. That was part of God's covenant promise to Abraham. And it's God's covenant promise for us as a church. In fact, when Jesus spoke to me about planting this church, the way that he spoke to me was, it was interesting. It was, I was sitting alone. We had been praying and fasting about, should we come and plant this church? Corey had asked us to come lead the church here. And Malone on the Thursday morning, third day of this fast, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me. It's actually the Father. The Father spoke to me. It's a very fatherly voice. He said, do you remember what this Sunday is? I was thinking for a second, and I was like, whoa, this Sunday is my 24th spiritual birthday. I was like, whoa, God just reminded me of my spiritual birthday. That's crazy. I wasn't even thinking about that. And then he said, do you remember what's significant about 25 years? I immediately remembered Abraham. It was 25 years from the time that God promised Abraham that he would have a son until his son Isaac was born. And the Holy Spirit spoke in that moment said, in the same way, 25 years from your salvation, I will give you your Isaac. It'll be the seed through which you bless the nations. I knew he was talking about this church. We actually had our, we were actually sent out on my actual 25th spiritual birthday from Melbourne to come here and plant the church. And so even this church and our, our prophetic identity is an Isaac, the seed, and Jesus is the ultimate Isaac but a seed through which the nations will be blessed. And God's covenant promise for us is that kings, leaders will come forth from us. This Hebrew word king simply refers to people who've been delegated authority by God to lead others. Earlier this year, God begins to even challenge me in this. I've shared with this with you previously, but God spoke this to me. He said, uh, this was, you know how sometimes at the beginning of the year, God gives you a word. Olivia gets like one word. I get sometimes a phrase, sometimes I get nothing. But this year, I got a little phrase. And God spoke very clearly. He said, I need you to stop relating to me as a son who is always in need of discipline. And I need you to start relating to me as a king who I've called to rule. In other words, what he was saying to me is you got some issues in your identity that are holding you back from the leadership grace that I want to pour out in your, on your life. And you need to begin to shift your understanding of how I see you. You are royalty, as that prophetic word came earlier. There, there is an identity. There is a, a destiny and a call on your life. And it is 
a, and there is a call to influence, a call to lead, to be a king. We've had some other prophetic words over our church like this. We had one recently from Pastor Corey at the beginning of this year talking about there would be a grace on this house and we would, we would raise up warrior prince and princesses. There'd be this, this grace upon this house to raise up spiritual warriors, people who are influencing the king, for the kingdom of God, pushing back the kingdom of darkness. There's another thing that God spoke to me about this church when uh, on that morning, that same right after God spoke to me about Isaac being born, birthed 25 years from my salvation. He also said this to me. He said, basically said, I'm going to bring crowds of people, but, I, but don't, don't go to Perth. I'm not calling you to just minister to crowds. This is the phrase he gave me. He said, I'm calling you to make disciples, train leaders, and plant churches. And so integral to our missional focus and what God has called us to as a church is to make disciples and train leaders and to be very intentional about that. God's looking for people he can trust. Let me finish up quickly with this last point. God calls his people to occupy places of influence in culture. Part of God's covenant promise to Abraham your offspring, your descendants shall what? Possess the gate of his enemies. This was all in the context of Abraham being obedient to sacrifice, willingly give up the promise, sacrifice his son, Isaac. And God says, now that I know I can trust you, here's what I'm going to speak over you. Your descendants are going to possess the gates of their enemies. Now, it's a little bit hard for us maybe to understand what that means in our context, but gates in scripture were not just passageways of entry into a city. Uh, gates were symbolic of places of influence and authority and decision-making in the community and in culture. And so in ancient times, these city gates were these places where, where the leaders, the, the elders would gather and they would convene there and make important decisions and settle disputes. When Jesus was saying, uh, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Gates don't move. Gates just sit there, right? And so what Jesus was sort of hearkening back to was Abrahamic covenant promise that this church, this assembly, the people of God are going to advance against the places of, uh, of rule and authority held by demonic powers in culture, and my people are going to push those demonic spirits out, and they're going to go in and occupy them. That is our covenant right and our covenant blessing. Now, this is sort of the, the long-term journey that God takes us on, but it's important for us to understand that it's good and right to have a vision to be the leader of the state, to be the prime minister, to, 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 to serve in government, in, in parliament, to whatever. Pick your area of influence in the culture, in the media, arts. 
God is going to begin to open up more and more opportunities for people in this house as we raise up leaders to sit in positions of authority and influence in culture, pushing out demonic ways of making decisions and going in and occupying and bringing uh, kingdom values, kingdom culture, and kingdom ways of making decisions and being uh, vessels through whom where there can be an influence, not just in micro levels of other people, that's, that's where it begins, but at more significant levels culturally. That's God's will for us. Will we believe it? Will we ask him for it? Will we lay hold of it? We need to recognize that it's our covenant right before we'll ever even ask him for it, before there'll ever be a dream in the heart. What's happened is, is the church has had this more mindset of, whoa, we just got to hold on. The world's going to get darker and darker. We got to just hang on as long as we can till Jesus comes back and he'll rescue us. He'll rapture us out of here. We'll go off to heaven and screw all them. Let them go through the tribulation. You know, we'll, we'll be loving life up in heaven. If that's our vision, do you think we're going to seek to occupy the gates of our enemies? Do you think we're actually going to be a church that's, that, that is pushing through demonic strongholds of culture? We have to have a vision for this. We have to recognize that this is actually the call of God, that there is a significant degree of influence that God calls us to have in the world prior to the return of Christ. You want to know what the most quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament is? Jesus, uh, the Father says to Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Psalm 110, right after this passage that David just prays. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. In other words, your church, Jesus, is going to make all kinds of enemies a footstool for your feet. And you're going to stay seated right here until that happens. And then you're going to return. Then you're going to go. That's a whole lot more victorious mindset than a lot of us maybe have thought God has called us to. So much more we could say, but we need to wrap this up. Somebody say thank you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know you didn't. I was just, just kidding. I know you didn't say Father, Just come, Lord, search our hearts. Father, may we no longer use fear as an excuse. Even when there are parts of our identity that is not yet fully shaped and formed, Holy Spirit says, I want to use you. Father, we recognize the call to lead. And Lord, we recognize that you call us to study, to show ourselves approved. Father, you call us to go on a journey of being developed 
Sometimes that just begins with being a disciple of Jesus. Actually, all the time, that's what it begins with. Just being a true disciple, a true follower, just going all in. You're looking, Lord, for people that you can trust, that you can promote, that you can elevate. Not just in the context of church, but out there, in the world, in the culture. Lord, you've called us to occupy the gates of our enemy. And Father, we ask you to forgive the church. Forgive us, Lord, for where we have shrunk back. Forgive the broader church for not taking responsibility. Forgive, the, forgive us, Lord, for, for laziness, for complacency, for apathy, for thinking, Lord, it's all about us and just being whisked away to heaven. Oh, Father, forgive us for showing up at the, the weekly spiritual show and, and, and not really even seeking to be discipled or equipped. Come right now, Holy Spirit. Confirm the call of God. Just listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit right now. Just hear Him saying over you, called you. You're to be a person of influence. I want to make your name great. Father, we lay hold of this covenant promise. Father, we recognize that greatness for us is becoming the least, becoming a servant. Jesus, we don't seek greatness out of poor identity or a longing for significance. Lord, we just want to bring ourselves at your feet and say, Lord, use us however you want to use us. But Lord, we submit to the process of discipleship and being developed by you. Just respond to the Holy Spirit. Just begin to speak to him. Pray, pray that prayer to him right now out of your own heart. God, use me. I want to be used by you. Make me a disciple maker. Make me a fisher of people. God, you've said to go and make disciples. That's where leadership begins. Influence begins right there. Go and make disciples, teaching them to obey. Father, may every single one of us be a disciple maker. Forgive us for, for putting that on the, uh, on, on the shoulders of the person on the stage, of the professional. Lord, you've called every one of us to make disciples. Oh, Father, now to that, would you raise up, Lord, mighty world changers out of this house. Lord, begin to increase our influence as we're faithful. Begin to increase our influence. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. 
I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.